Hello, everybody. You're listening to the Total Basis Podcast, and I'm your host, Felipe. Over there is my podcast partner, Sean Flannery. Sean, how are you doing this morning? Uh, I don't know if you guys can hear it in the background, but that's me solving my 30-team season uh, where I led, you know, the entire league in points by like three and a half week, three and a half matchups worth of points. Um, it's being flushed down the drain right behind me. Uh, well, <laughs> so is the life of head-to-head fantasy, uh, which Felipe, you're also feeling from the opposite, from the same side, but with me once again. Uh, in the driver's seat there, but we'll get to that. Uh, we got some real life postseason stuff to talk about. Yeah, and uh, that's the thing. Uh, we're we're near the end. Uh, it looks like a lot of the uh, playoff picture has been formulated already. It's we're getting a clearer picture as to what this looks like. Um, uh, let's see here. We're getting yeah. So I look at the American League right now, Sean. And it's pretty much a done deal with all the divisions. Yankees have this locked up against uh, the Rays and Blue Jays and maybe the Orioles. Well, the Orioles are 14 games back, so they're pretty much out of the playoff divisional race. But the I guess the Rays and Blue Jays still have some sort of uh, mathematical chance because there is 11 games back and they're all below 10 games uh, behind the Yankees. But according to fan grabs, so we're at the playoff odds. The Yankees have this 100%. Yep. There's like no chance they don't foresee anything. Usually, when it's a hundred percent, that doesn't go back down, or maybe it does. I don't know. I don't pay that too much attention, but a hundred percent is pretty damn good, right, Sean? Yeah, and you uh, technically the Orioles after some heroics and a little bit of choking last night against the Astros um, are still mathematically alive. Uh, oh. Fangraphs only giving them 0.7 percent, but hey. At this point in the year, that's for the who, wild card, though. Right? Yeah, for the wild card. Who expected the Orioles to be seven games over five hundred? Like, it's pretty funny though. But when they were um, just starting to go a little bit under climb, when there was like, no, not even no. I remember when we had the show with James Handaboat here when you were away. Uh, I, I made a joke like, okay, James, there's three teams with a 03 percent chance of uh, of getting um, of making the playoffs. And it's the Tigers, uh, the Royals, and the Orioles. And I said, I think the, I like what the Orioles are doing a little bit. But James made a good point. Well, I, I don't like the Orioles uh, making the playoffs because they have a very tough division. So maybe the Tigers would be the best choice of those teams who have less than 1% chance of making it. And I go, yeah, that sounds logical. So let's go with the Orioles and move on to the next topic. But they were the Orioles were at zero point two percent in May or something, and now they're at zero point seven. Hey, uh, they're they're climbing. <laughs> so but all like, of it, that for a, a a half percent of a of an increase in their uh, opportunity here. And it's just so weird to see that you know they have a better record than the Boston Red Sox, the uh, Cleveland Guardians, no, the Chicago White Sox, like all of these, the Minnesota Twins. Like nobody would have said this at the beginning of the year, nobody, and yet here they are. So. Well, uh, we move on to the AL Central. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the, I guess the Guardians pretty much locked up this division this past week as they defeated the White Sox. They pretty much, uh, I think they swept them. There's only a yeah, like the, they, they won a lot out of their last 12. I think they went like 10 and 2 or 11 and 1. Yeah, they're on fire right now. And uh, it's a really good team. And we talked about them all season long. I, mean, I remember the 
from Stephen Kwan all the way to what some other minor leaguers like um, who was Oscar, called uh, Oscar Gonzalez. Oscar there was Gonzalez, right. uh, Will Benson, who hasn't really done much, but uh, right before the show went live, we, I talked about Will Brennan uh, was one of their triple A left hit left handed hitting outfielders. Uh, he's been called up playing the outfield kind of every day now. Uh, he was just a doubles 300 hitting machine uh, as he worked his way up from double A where he started this year. Uh, but yeah, like you said, a, a really good team. And I, I almost I'm kicking myself because I really like the Guardians going into this year, especially when they started extending everybody. Um, but I couldn't bring myself. I, I thought that they were just missing a little bit more than what they would need to get to this point. But in, in the playoffs, obviously, they're going to be the, the third worst division. They don't get a buy. But that you can never underestimate the Guardians. The, the pitching is there. Um, the back end of the bullpen is so good. The the front three starters so good. Uh, so yeah, I, I wouldn't want to face them in the playoffs. No, they have really good pitching. We've talked, and then our guy, the one that we've been talking about for the last couple of years or so, Emmanuel Classe, struggling a little bit the, at, as the uh, as we're finishing up the season. I mean, his numbers aren't as uh, dominant as uh, in the last ten days or so. But he's been pretty damn good all year long. And then the US, they got uh, James Karinchek back, which is another guy that we've been talking about for years and years and years. Um, and Trevor then, Steven, the, the oh, real yes. five pick from the Yankees, who I had been keeping my eye on since Cleveland brought him over. Uh, and it just like he never really did that good. But like the peripherals, like you could really see where like something could happen here. And finally this year it did. And of course, like you've mentioned, uh, James Karinchak coming back into the fold. Uh, they got some weapons back there in the bullpen. So uh, typical Cleveland of old. And then uh, we move on to the AL West. Um, well, is there any other, any other team? Well, the Twins are just swooning right now. Yeah, they, they're they're. I think they're all dead in the water. <laughs> uh, let's see here, uh, Astros and the AL West. I mean, they pretty much had this league one a long time ago even with the mariners uh kind of uh breaking out as we predicted on this show at least i predicted i forgot what you predicted for the mariners but i definitely saw this one coming for the mariners they were just too damn good um but uh there's still the mariners are still 16 games behind the astros <laughs> um, the astros were just that good and it's it's funny because every year uh, they've lost like one piece and we just say, okay, they're, they're not going to be as good this year. They, they lost George Springer fast forward here. They're not going to be as good. They lost Carlos Correa and we all just look like fools at the end of the year. Um, uh, they're, they're kind of like the, the hateable higher budget Tampa Bay rights because every year Tampa loses, you know, they trade somebody, they get rid of somebody and they're just not going to be as good next year. And then they do exactly what they've always done. Uh, but the Astros are kind of like the, the more hateable version of that. So that's pretty much it. I mean, yeah, we I know that we always uh, people want to discount the Astros, but I mean, we don't discount the Astros. We, no. we tell you guys all the time, hey, don't just because they lost Correa or they lost, uh, I don't know who the hell. Hell, they lost Ryan Presley for most of the year. Yeah, and Michael uh, Brantley was injured, been out for the last three months. Yeah, don't count them out, man. Oh. They they just get pick up guys, and that's the difference between a team like the Astros and the White Sox, where the White Sox cannot develop players in their farm system to save their lives. There is something really going wrong because people want to say, "Oh, Tony La Russa, Tony La Russa ruined the dynamic of that clubhouse," but if you can't even trust the guys you bring up to go in there and produce for you, 
you're just something something is systematically wrong meanwhile the astros all they do is just bring up a guy and all of a sudden they become uh fantasy relevant let alone major league baseball ready players who are able to continue their winning ways without michael brantley without carlos correa that's okay no carlos correa here's jeremy pena and i don't know who replaced brantley off the top of my head was it chas mccormick yeah chas mccormick started playing a little bit more center um uh, jose siri was there until they traded him uh, I mean, it, it's kind of been just a rotating spot. Alebius Diaz, I know, has gotten some run. Uh, but, yeah, it's you, you look at the – they have five guys with three F4 or higher. Jeremy Pena at three, Kyle Tucker at four and a half. Uh, the return of Alex Bregman, which I think has been really quiet. Uh, he, he walked more than he struck out this year, 620 plate appearances for a guy who's dealt with a lot of injuries. Uh, 137 WRC plus, Jose Altuve doing Jose Altuve things. Six war season at age 32. And, of course, Jordan Alvarez at 127 games. So he's even like had the little hand issue that they ghost put him on the IL. They don't put him on the IL, but he doesn't play. Um, 37 home runs and 531 plate appearances. Six and a half F4 as a uh, primary left fielder and DH. Uh, he was a guy that picked up a lot of slack when Brantley went down. He started playing more left field. So, yeah, six and a half F4 for Jordan Alvarez in 127 games is super impressive. Yeah. <sighs> That's just the Jordan Alvarez, right? That's the third place uh, AL MVP winner right there, Sean. <laughs> likely i mean the guy i mean any other year a guy with a 186 wrc plus we're, we're like yeah this guy's probably the best hitter in baseball this year uh 300 303 average 410 on base slugging over 615 like any other year jordan alvarez is likely an mvp uh but <laughs> it's just not this year it, it's one of those very unfortunate things for him but uh hey yeah, it's the wrong year. And and if you just want to go on the hitting, I think we looked just the hitting alone. We we saw this a couple of weeks ago that it's Judge Alvarez and then everybody else else is playing for third place. But because Otani can pitch, uh, he'll get more uh, consideration for the um, uh, for the MVP, which I don't think is right. But who knows? I think, it, I think it's very interesting now that you mentioned it. I wanted to look it up. You're like Judge Alvarez and everybody else. Yeah. You have Goldschmidt that tucks in nicely in third. Well, I mean, it's one, a, a, yeah, a, a, in, a, the, a, in the AL. But you know who's third in the AL in WRC Plus? I forget. Cl- close your ears, Yankees fans. At 159, Jose Altuve. <laughs> and Jose Ramirez is also having a good season, too. Yeah, Jose like Jose Ramirez. Jose Ramirez isn't having a bad year. He's just not having, like, one of his best years. Um, yeah, I can... Were t- they were talking about that on the uh, Rates and Barrels uh, uh, podcast where they were talking about how Jose Ramirez is actually struggling against the shift this season. More yeah, than he, he's at 138 like this year, and he was at 137 last year. But it's yeah. we, we can say that Jose Ramirez is struggling to the tune of a six-war season. Like, uh, like <laughs> It's like he does so much. Like Once again, the, the strikeouts and walks are damn near identical. Uh, yeah, he's not like doing the crazy 600 slug thing that he did in 2020, but like, yeah, Jose Ramirez is still good, everybody. <laughs> All right, well, let's see here. Uh, I have in the wild card Mariners, uh, and Rays and the Blue Jays at over 99% of making the playoffs. So the Orioles are the odd team out. Things can change in a moment's notice, right? But right now, as it stands, it looks like the Orioles are three and a half games back in the wild card to the Blue Jays. 
but it looks like their Mariners are sitting in the front seat for right now while the Rays are kind of sniffing at their heels and the Blue Jays are trying to fend off the Orioles. Uh, teams like the White Sox uh, are basically eliminated f- from this, uh, although they're in real life, they're seven and a half games behind the Blue Jays for that last playoff spot. Which what what would that be in the division? Because now the division is what the division is nine games. So either way, they're screwed. Yeah. There's only eleven games, uh, maybe less than eleven games to go. Uh, so the White Sox, are, but according to the Fangraphs playoff odds, the White Sox are pretty much gone. They're eliminated. Yep. Adios. Most this is, has been the absolute most disappointing season to be a White Sox fan. Yeah, especially after kind of what happened last year. Uh, you expect to build off of that, not kind of oh, that's why I say not that. kind of step backwards. That's why I say that. That's why I say progression is not linear. You just because you made the playoffs last year doesn't mean you're going to take a step forward than the following year. But White Sox fans were hoping for that. And uh, you and I saw the the rosters at the beginning of the season and we're looking at it like, all right, where are the improvements? Okay, the bullpen, great. Good job on solidifying that bullpen. But everywhere else, where's the lefty bat? Where's the, the second baseman? Oh, Josh Harrison. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's gonna win you. <laughs> Larry Garcia is still our leadoff hitter. Like, yeah, where's yeah, yeah, this is ridiculous. Where's we still didn't have a uh, a solid defensive outfielder out there that can mm-hmm. spell guys like Eloy Jimenez or or God forbid, Andrew Vaughn, who's now become one of the worst outfielders in all of baseball, despite the fact that. He's actually progressed a little bit with his hitting. Um, we still don't have a backup catcher, apparently, like a one that we can believe and trust in. Um, and we were depending on a, on a guy who's never been healthy in his life to be our back-end starter in Michael Kopech. And Michael Kopech is hurt again. We were counting on Dallas Keuchel to get us through, even though the science oh. said <laughs> that he was going to suck this year. And... Lucas Giolito took a step back, and it looks like this might be Lucas Giolito for the rest of his life. Yeah, I, I don't I'm, think a, I'm a little worried about Giolito. Like, uh, and I, I'm I'm ready. He might get thrown in the Barrios category, which don't close your eyes now, people. But Barrios is about to end the year with like a five plus ERA. And if you're counting on Lance Lynn to get you over the top, I mean that's that's not good. Uh, that 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 is not that is not a good way of. Uh, it's not good, man. It, it's just, it's, this is a mess. It's a big mess of a team. And 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 then the ironic part is that they are top 10 in payroll, I believe. This is yeah. like the highest amount that they've ever spent. But it's really just a, a situation where the money was misspent. And, the, the, and then there's certain free agents that you went and were aggressively pursuing that you were not able to sign. And the worst part of all, none of your draft picks are panning out and your farm system is this putrid like you're yeah. telling me that you cannot bring up anybody from double a AA or triple a to provide you some depth and production meanwhile the guardians are just outclassing you in a supposedly weak division i, I mean I, it, it's one of those things where people want to look at the money that's invested in the major league payroll but one of the things that i don't think it's ever publicly available is just like the money or the percentage of money invested in player development. And it's like what it's so clear that teams like the Indians and and the Rays, that's how that's their competitive edge. Mm -hmm. They they might not outspend people or the like really big teams in uh, player development, but like the kind of even Chicago, like Chicago is a big, big market. But the White Sox, you wouldn't really classify to me as like a 
a huge spending team. And I mean, this year, top 10 in payroll, but how much compared to their MLB payroll are they investing in, you know, kind of the whole player development side compared uh, to are. compared to the Indians? Yeah, they clearly aren't. I mean, they, it's every guy they bring up is basically the same carbon copy as the last guy they brought up. Gavin Sheets is basically Jake Berger. I mean, <laughs> no. Romy- hey, if, if you combine both of those guys into one guy, they'd be really good. Yeah, but we we can't afford it. We actually need someone that can play every day. And AJ Pollock has been a major disappointment this season. He's playing up to his age. He's going to be thirty five soon. Mm-hmm. And we already talked about Andrew Vaughn and uh, uh, Romy Gonzalez is basically a, a carbon copy of Lori Garcia. So, but they're both awful. Adam Engel sucks. He's always sucked. He's never been good <laughs> at anything. Uh, Sevi Zavala. I mean, yeah, he's actually three forty seven on base percentage, but I mean, he's not good either. I mean, but then you got your guys that are supposed to be good, like Yoan Moncada. 276 on base percentage. Eloy Jimenez having a great year, but he can't stay healthy. Every no. single time he's out there, he gets hurt. Luis Robert. I know this. I'm, I'm a Luis Robert fantasy league owner. Nowhere to be found. Yeah. Who's the other guy? Yasmani Grandal, 305 on base percentage. And he's a big, it's the highest uh, paid white sex ever. Yep. That's a, This is embarrassing. I mean, listen, at the time, there were the right moves to make, right? We all were applauding the Yasmani Grandal, but we were also assuming that everything else was going to get taken care of. And it wasn't. And that's the problem. You're counting on guys like Johnny Cueto to get you over the top. And these 37 years old, Johnny Cueto should not be someone you're depending to help you anchor your rotation. He should be in the back end as a, as a depth piece, not a, not a main integral part of that. He's right now the SP3. Lucas Giolito is now the SP4. And some guy named Davis Martin. Hey, Davis Martin had a, good, a quality start yesterday. Well, congratulations. He's uh, 39 strikeouts hey, and 17 I, walks. So I've, I've, yeah. I've streamed him around. He He's not great, but he no, has been, just, a, streaming, he has been a streaming it. option. You said it. He's not great. That's all you need to know. He's not great. And then, again, the bullpen also been, was rattled with injuries. But, again, the fact that – because the Indians, when they get rattled with injuries, they don't give a shit. They just go into their cover yeah. to say, what else do we have? Oh, we got this guy. Let's just bring him up, and he'll do wonders for us. You just mentioned Trevor Steven, who – was a nobody to begin the season. We was on nobody's radar. And then all of a sudden, you just see this relief pitcher getting all the holds and having this ridiculously high strikeout rate at, at this part of the year. <laughs> so uh, this is my first time looking at Davis Martin's um, Savant page, really, since like his first couple of starts, because he had like his first start was really good, but I had actually watched it and he got hit hard. Uh, he, he had... He went five innings, seven strikeouts, five hits, one walk against the Royals back in May as just like a spot start. And I had picked him up. I had been keeping tabs on him. He's actually kind of like not terrible. I mean, he's not getting a lot of strikeouts. You're right. Only a 17% strikeout rate there. But 4.3 expected ERA gets like avoiding kind of the barrels and the hard hits. Like, okay, I see you, Davis Martin. Like he, he's a guy that every team should have like a, a solid fifth, sixth starter. Um, and he has just like the most basic name in the world, like a basic white person <laughs> named Davis Martin. Like Davis he, that, Martin, that, that, that sounds like, like I, I was about to say, like this guy should be doing my taxes, but instead he's checking the accounts of the guys in the batter's box and telling them that uh, they're overdrawn. They're out. So, um, yeah, Davis Martin. I, I didn't think that that's where today's episode would go towards, but Davis Martin having like solid savant sliders and like 
the prototypical four pitch mix and he uses all four pitches. Nice. I like it. I, I really do like it. 44% whiff rate on the slider. That's promising. There you go. There you uh, go. I didn't realize the White Sox had it in them to develop someone to have a wipeout slider. Right like that. <laughs> uh, you look at their, and then you go down to their, uh, their minor league system. Yeah. You, know, you mentioned Jake Berger. Uh, Len- Lennon Sosa, who was the big oh man, Lennon oh, Sosa. Yeah, a lot of people got hyped over that, and I was like, why, why, why? <laughs> why? Is it the it's last like, name? Is it the last name in Chicago? Has to be. Has like, to that's be. the only thing I could think of. I mean, Lennon Sosa right now, according to Fangraphs, is the number three prospect in the farm system right now. Ugh. That that's pathetic. That is absolutely pathetic. I mean, he, he he He's had tw- he had twenty three home runs in a hundred and fifteen games the minors this year, but like. Ugh. And Blake Rutherford's still there. Remember Blake the, Ru- think, <laughs> the the corpse of Blake Rutherford? Yeah, well, he's still there. I didn't realize he was still around. I thought his career ended, but I didn't realize how young he was. He was he's only 25. That's the guy who ran into that uh into the White Sox wall, right? And, and bursted his knee into pieces. Uh, or am I thinking White's? of somebody else? You're thinking of Dustin Fowler, I think. Oh, was that he, him? Dustin Fowler was the one who got called up for the Yankees and made his debut in Oakland and ran straight into that wall. And it was like the first out of the game. And uh, yeah, so Blake Rutherford is the guy who got traded for the uh, the relief pitchers. Uh, Tommy K- Tommy Conley. Yeah, Jay, yeah. Jay Blake Rutherford. They were both Yankees prospects. That's 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 where we're connecting here. Yeah, and I think Dustin Fowler ended up going to the A's, I believe. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they were both Yankees la- prospects. Last seen, in, last seen in Pittsburgh in 2021. Oh, good for him. Oh, I, 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 I remember the Dustin Fowler injury, though. That was like the saddest thing I, like ever. Because you you saw him hit that and you knew his leg was not okay and he like got up and he was like no I'm fine like he he starts waving the trainer away, oh, away. As, as he falls down to the ground like oh, his his knee was just done. Uh, Blake Rutherford, two seasons, two full seasons in AAA already. That's never a good thing. <laughs> That's never a good thing. Well, last year he had 286, but this year, Sean, he made improvements. He's not, uh, I'm sorry, when I say he's hitting 286, that's the on base percentage. Oh, <laughs> that's cruel. Last year he struggled with a 286 on base percentage. So that's okay. He made improvements this year. He's now at 313 on base percentage. So hey, he, he was in the Southern League in 2019. I remember seeing him a little bit. Well, thanks. And I, I, up, remember, I remember thanks seeing the name, but it was, uh, yeah, you don't like seeing back to back years 24, 25 in AAA. He went from having an 80 WRC plus last season to a 95 WRC plus this season. In there AAA, you go. So, Improvement, oh yeah. man. Improvement. But he's always sucked. I mean, he's never been any good. Good plate discipline. Uh, you know, decent hit tool, but nothing, nothing to brag about. And the other big guy that everybody White Sox fans love to clamor about, Oscar Colas, 35% strikeout rate in AAA. Only four games, 20 plate appearances, but uh, that might be a problem. Uh, he's 23 years old and whiffing at everything <laughs> yeah we saw we saw him in um the the last game that we went to uh he had a home run in that game he is a big man yeah uh, he's he's listed at 61210 uh i like i said we had this conversation i think last week yeah that's an old that's an old height weight uh he's probably 6162 but he's six at least he, he's at least like 240 i mean okay. he, he's a big man well, the, I mean, it sounds like he, we, the, the White Sox have, like, their version of Fanmil Reyes is what it sounds like. Yeah, like a lefty Reyes, like, a yeah. kind of, yeah. So, yeah, man, not not looking good. And I'm not even going to get to the pitching. Hey, they got Mike Wright Jr. Remember him from the Orioles? Oh, God, maybe. The, I think the so. Pitcher? 
Yeah, they got him. That's good. Other than that, there's not. Oh, there's one number eighty. There's a, the the 80th ranked uh, baseball prospect in Colson Montgomery. He's still in Double A. He's a ways away. He's only twenty years old. Yeah, he was one of those guys that when I made the post in Baseball Life about Project Birmingham, uh, they called up a lot of guys that were having their you know really good seasons at the lower levels, and they took some guys that were on the Double A roster and put them on the development list, kind of hit them there, mm-hmm. and allowed them to call up all these guys. It was almost like a reward. Like, hey we're going to pick all these guys that were having great years and we're going to put them on the same roster and same lineup and see what happens. And kind of the guys that were having great years in a ball or high, a, you know, get that immediate challenge just to see like, okay, yeah, you were doing really good earlier. Let's see if it's legit. And uh, Colson Montgomery was one of those guys that got called up. Um, He kind of reminded me of Seager. He he definitely looked overmatched. I mean, he was only 20 in a double A, and you can definitely see he's being overmatched at double A right now. But I also think that it's kind of a a smart thing for these teams to do in that, like, this year he was dominating A and A ball, or A and high A. Yeah. Why even wait till next year for him to face these double A pitchers? Let him face them now, struggle now, and then in the off season, he realizes, hey, this is the quality of competition I got to get up to and go from there rather yeah, than the- having to do it in the middle of the year. But 6-4, lefty swing. He, he did remind me a little bit of Corey Seager out there, just kind of watching him on the field defensively and at the plate. I don't know, man. Corey Seager had a – I have to believe he had a better hit tool than Colson Montgomery. Oh, oh I'm, I'm sure he does. I think yeah. Colson's a little bit of power over hit. But the, the walk rates have been kind of encouraging throughout the minors for him so far. Yeah, he's shown some good plate discipline, but not in double-A. But, again, he's only 20 years old in double-A, so he's going to be overmatched a little bit. Yeah. Um, and the White Sox, they do have a, a, a reputation for quickly bringing up their younger guys. A uh, quick shout-out to Steven and Angel for joining us on the chat. Have a hope you guys have a good Sunday morning. Enjoy your football this uh, today. But for, for you, enjoy your football. Let's play talk some more baseball. Let's go over to the National League. And uh, uh <laughs> you're gonna love this one. The Mets and Braves, they're still a, on a dog fight. Braves are one and a half games back, but it looks like there's an 80-20 split as to who's gonna win the division with the advantage going to the Mets. Is that how you see it there, Sean? Yeah, it basically the, the Mets have to go into um their series that's at I believe the end of the week or the beginning of next week um, against the Braves. I think it's this weekend. Um, If they can go into the series, I believe, with just a one-game lead or one-and-a-half, all they have to do is win one game in that series. Um, They, If they win one game, they have the tiebreaker against Atlanta for the season. So, uh, of course, no more game 163 this year. Um, But, yeah, if if they go in with at least, I think, two games, and they win one, then they base. I think they mathematically clinch. Some breaking news here. Looks like Dom Mattingly, Dom Mattingly will not return to the Marlins next season. I had just seen where Andrew Sullivan had said something about that, but I did not get the alert yet. So, yeah. Well, now it says here will inform. So, it, does that mean he's going to change his mind later and then come back anyway? Or is this a done deal for him? So, some developing issues going on there with the Miami Marlins as uh hmm. I mean that's a mess right there too the Marlins and I mean, <laughs> I mean, we talked about them all the time they look like a very exciting team like a young exciting team on paper and then when it's all said and done they uh, they made so many good moves and, and, the, and then they 
like it's like build the like the farm system and the pitching like everything they did there 100% right even like when they traded Yelich Ozuna and Stan I thought that those were relatively good trades on the whole and at the time both at the time and now um but then this offseason it's like okay your pitching's there to compete you need offense uh you, your executive really wanted Castellanos, which we see how that likely would not have gone well. Uh, you, he didn't get Castellanos, so he left. And then you sign. Yeah, it was Jeter. Yeah, oh, uh, I, I just that. I just didn't want to say his name. Just um, say his name. We just don't want to, I don't want to make this a, a Jeter thing. A Mets fan talking about Jeter. It's uh, I guess a no no. But uh, then he's you go not, and you sign. You he's sign so Voldemort. Le- <laughs> what is going on? Vulgar Jeter. Um, but no, and then you go and you sign <laughs> Soler and Avasiel Garcia. It like the moves that just Joey Wendell, great trade. Yeah. Like he, he's a, a championship caliber piece on, on like a contender that every team needs a Joey Wendell. But not every team needs a Jose Soler or Jose Soler, Jorge Soler or Avasiel Garcia, who, which they're basically the same thing. So what were they doing there? You know what? Uh, they, it just it didn't make sense to me. You know what this world needs, Sean? They need some more solar power. Oh, didn't Jorge solar power? Because oh. uh, we're interested in prospects and how they land and where they go and what they do. Let's take a look back. Christian Yelich uh, traded to the Brewers for Louis Brinson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Monte Harrison and Ison Diaz. And then who was they didn't get a pitcher on that trade? Uh, I'm I'm looking at the website. They, they, they those are the only na- three prospects that they name here. Oh, okay. Um, I thought they got a pitcher. In yeah, that trade. A, either way, it's a thumbs down for me. I, I don't like any of those guys. Marcelo Zuna, Sandy Alcantara, Magnarius Sierra, and Zach Gallen, who they traded to the Diamondbacks uh, for. Let me see. For J- Jazz Chisholm, that's he was part of the Jazz Chisholm trade. I didn't know that Jazz Chisholm was traded from the. The Diamondbacks. Although now that's starting to kind of yeah. Well, no, that was that was the Zach Gallon trade. No, no, they got him in this deal too. They got more. They oh, got really? The Cardinals. Yeah, yeah. Sandy Alcantara, McNair, no. Sierra, and Z- I'm, <laughs> I'm reading it to you right now. The main return for Miami was Alcantara, a top ten prospect in St. Louis system at the time, who has since gone on to become the current ace of the Marlins starting rotation. He's now 26 years old. So yeah, so that's a, that was a really good trade for them. So if you can get an Alcantara and then you get rid of Zach Gallon and get Jazz Chisholm. Who is, for all intents and purposes, the building block, the building block of that hitting lineup, and then this Giancarlo Stanton trade? Uh, they got Sterling Castro and Jorge Guzman. Yeah, that that was the the money. Uh, they just got uh-huh. rid of the money. That's all that was. Yeah, yeah that was yeah. Um, then Castro suck, and I don't know who uh, Jorge Guzman was. The was once rated as a number four overall prospect back in 2018. Um, he finally made his major league debut in 2020, and I think he's oh he's a free agent. With the Giants, he signed with the Giants. So there you go. Uh, yeah, that's listen, man. That's trade one hundred and one. That is ways to not make a trade to get rid of uh, three really outstanding outfielders. So yeah, Marlins. Uh, yeah, Marlins are messing up. Okay, there. they they didn't get Jazz Chisholm. They got Zach Gallon in that deal. Who the Marlins did? Yes, and then they t- returned Gallon. I, I just said that. I know, I know. Him. I thought you. I thought you said what's it called? I thought you said they traded like Chisholm was there. No, no, no. The oh, Zach Gallon okay. would be turned around oh, and get traded. Oh, okay. I was like freaking out. I was like, no, Jazz Chisholm was not in St. Louis. No, they got Zach Gallon from St. Louis. Yes, they turned yes, around yes. and traded 
Zach Gellin to the Diamondbacks for Jazz Chisholm, and yeah. Jazz Chisholm is now that's what I was trying to say. Yes. Jazz okay, Chisholm okay, okay, that makes more sense. Makes more is, sense. Is the future of the Marlins? Well, Jazz was all all the bees needs back in the twenties. So I'm jazz. still sad that McNary Sierra never really got like a a chance yeah. to play every day. Uh, I never he was so, he was so fast. Yeah. Like just let him be D Gordon for one year. Yeah, and look how well that D Gordon turned out to be. <laughs> Cheater. Those, those those fast guys. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that, but he's just wasn't it? I, I never you know me, man. I don't believe in those speedy guys, man. They, there's always there's always some sort of deficiency in their game that just prevents them from becoming great. So and even well, Byron we, Buxton, we don't we don't need him to be great all the time. We just need him to oh, steal man. bases in fantasy. <laughs> no, nah, no, nah, but not not for my team. No way. I, I can't do that. Can't do it. Can't win with them. You know, I told you right before when I when I went ahead and, and, and just started training for stolen bases that one season, it was one of the most boring seasons I ever had in my fantasy <laughs> life. And I said, fuck this. I'm never doing that again. And uh, it turned out to be a good move. I mean, at least in our baseball life league, which we're going to get to in just a bit. But look at the Marlins. I mean, we talked about them. They finally brought up J.J. Blade. Um Luan Diaz is finally uh, looks like, oh, he's in a platoon. Uh, is Brian De La Cruz a prospect, or is he just a guy? I mean, I mean, he was the guy that they got in the um, Astros deal last year, and he hit the who? ground running, and then struggled immensely to start this year. It was back in the minors, and he's come who, back up, it? and he's uh, that was uh, Brian De La Cruz. It was a relief pitcher, I think. Um, keep going, and I'll tell you. Tanner Scott, no, I'm joking. Uh, it, it, the rotations where it's at, though, this is where the future really uh, is looking really bright for them. Sandy Alcantara, Edward Cabrera, Pablo Lopez, Jesus Lazardo, Braxton Garrett. We haven't even mentioned Trevor Rogers yet because he's what hurt again. Or Sixto uh, Sanchez, Max Meyer, Sixto Sanchez. So there, Marlins are turning into a little bit of a hotbed of uh, yeah. Of- so th- that deal was last year. The Astros traded De La Cruz and Austin Pruitt to the Marlins uh, in exchange for Yimmy Garcia. Oh, okay. Because Garcia had been their like kind of closer main yeah. high leverage guy. So yeah, yeah. Yimmy was fighting off a couple of guys there. Um, oh, uh, the the Floro. Um, maybe Anthony Bender too. Oh yeah, Bender. Bender was having a, the great year against righties. Uh, mm. Bass was Bass still there? Yeah, Bass was there. No, yeah. But that's the Marlins. I mean, who's in the minor leases? This has turned into a show. Like, oh, who they got? Who they got? What was it? Got? Uh, remember Ryan Lambernway? He's around. Lavernway, the, the catcher. The catcher. The cat- isn't, the Marlin- he like, uh, isn't he like? is he like thirty? Thirty-five. Oh my god! And he's in Triple A. Yeah. Oh, poor guy. I feel bad but, for him now. Yeah, he's uh, trying to uh, get some playing time with uh, Peyton Henry, the twenty-five-year-old catcher. Um, with the Marlins, Jesus Sanchez is still a, a work in progress. Remember, he was the hot shot prospect that everybody yep. loved. I watched S- him a lot, and S- yep, still waiting. Other than that, they really don't have anybody in AAA in terms of uh, their hitters. There's six of Sanchez on the IR, IL, whatever. Uh, and the pitching side, Cole Solzer is on the AAA relief uh, bullpen. Over to Double A. Um, I don't know any of these guys. Maybe you can. Yeah, you- they they've called up basically. All of their guys that started the year in double A AA or triple A this year that were anything in regards to hitting are on the major league roster right now. It's, guys like Charles LeBlanc, Jordan Groshans, Peyton Burdick, Gerard and Carnacion, all of those guys were like their top prosper top organizational hitters uh this year. And they are is, now on the major league roster. Is Griffin Conine the son of Jeff Conine? Yes. And he's <laughs> like a really good power hitter in the minors, but he's one of those like quad A guys. That hits for a lot of power. 
and does absolutely nothing else. Yeah, Griffin Conant, left-handed bat, unlike his daddy, who was a right-handed bat, 25-year-old in double-A Pensacola. But here's a big prize. So once again, it's the pitching. Yuri Perez in double-A. Yep. Uh, I, I, I think Yuri Perez gets traded, honestly. Man, that... I, I, they, they have so much they they got to trade somebody and i think I, right I now i think right now he has the the highest potential yeah. to get back like a i don't know like what kind of person do what hitter do they trade for uh get a little bit of everything right yeah. <laughs> get get a get a contact hitter get a speedy hitter and get a power hitter and hopefully you get something out of that jose salas is the other one 81st ranked in the fangrass 100 uh, he's in high A Beloit, Wisconsin, I believe. Uh, I don't know much about him. Middle infielder from Venezuela, but uh, he's only 19 years old in high A. And uh, I don't know, man. I don't see anybody else I recognize, uh, people that we've talked to before. Maybe you have a uh, better understanding since you do play in Dynasty Leagues. But uh, suddenly the the Marlins uh, cupboard has run dried here in a hurry. Do, as, uh, do, they, do they take a step forward next year? Do they make the playoffs I, next well, year? I mean, I mean that, I, that's one of the thing I was going to bring up. I think that's part of the reason why they signed Jorge Soler and Avisado Garcia, which uh, I did like the Garcia uh, pickup. And I was, well, after they got Jorge Soler, it was announced that they were going to do a National League DH now. So it kind of made sense to pick up a guy like Jorge Soler, who's just an absolute stat cast darling. But unfortunately, he, uh, he struggles mightily and, plays into the shift a lot as well as we've seen in the last couple of years. Uh, but I think that's the reason why they made all those uh, free agent acquisitions and, and those veteran acquisitions was because they were trying to take a step forward and take advantage of a really good starting pitching and in a decent bullpen, I guess, for all intents and purposes, but uh, obviously hasn't worked. <laughs> yeah. They, worked they, they have a lot of like, like Peyton Burdick, Gerard Encarnacion, JJ Blade. These guys have really good power. But there's so much swing and miss in the lineup. Uh, even guys like Charles LeBlanc, who they called up this year, um, it's it, they got to figure out something to do with Brian Anderson. W- what are they going to do with him? Yeah, you got to trade um, him. You got to trade him. Garrett Cooper, same thing. Got to trade him. It. it you got to trade I, these guys. I, I, I'm I sorry. I, I just I, I don't know if they're Miguel Rojas. Nice to know you, but uh, you, you need to go. Now he he's uh, under contract. Um, they Not extended him. I think Miguel Rojas is like their only. He could be player manager next year. Don Mattingly's gone. Yeah, Miguel Rojas, oh. player manager. Oh yeah, they love they love his uh, leadership skills for sure. I'm not denying that. Just just what 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 are you doing for the team? And I don't see it. John Verdi as well, 32 year old space uh, stolen base demon. Uh, yeah, I know that. We're, are the Marlins going to take a step forward? But if you want to take a step forward, you need to get rid of these guys. But if you go with young guys, you're screwed either way because you're wasting away a, a really good starting pitching rotation. Yeah. So, yeah, this is what happens when you mismanage your team and you don't do a good job of player development. And the veterans you bring in, they're basically the White Sox, except that the White Sox, well, White Sox play in a crappy division. So maybe that's the one saving grace for them. Okay. Who knows what they would be if they were in the AL East or AL West. But anyway, we go back to uh, what were we doing? The, oh, right. We got distracted. Playoffs. So uh, Mets or Braves, who who wins out really quick? The I, I think right now uh, the Braves are going to have to go through the last 10 games with no Spencer Strider. He goes on the IL. Uh, Ronald Acuna is not playing every day. Matt Olson was benched yesterday. Um, I don't know. It seems like they're getting cold at the wrong time. You know, they, they were hot for basically three and a half months. 
Yeah. Um, and now they're kind of going into it. I don't want to say, I don't want to call it a tailspin because it's not a tailspin. They're still like winning games. Yeah, they're still um, winning. Yeah, but I, I think right now the momentum is shifting kind of away from them. And I, I think the Mets just the, the Mets all year have held on. And I, I've talked to a couple of Mets buddies and I told them they were like, everyone has talked about, oh, the Mets let the Braves catch them. <laughs> and the Mets were still playing like 600 ball like that. How frustrating is that for the Mets? Like that they've played so well and yet the Braves still caught them. Well, I'd also turn it on its head. The Braves have played almost 650 ball and have still spent what one day in first place or one day tied in first place or two days. Like how frustrating is that on their end? And the, that has to wear them down a little bit. So, uh, yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. I, I just think, the Mets all year have been doing this dance of hanging on, hanging on, playing right with the Braves, basically. I think they continue to do it, and they end up the year uh, yeah. with that number one spot. Yeah, and I think the Braves are pretty much comfortable just making the making the playoffs either way. And maybe they're just resting some of these guys. I mean, yeah, I, I definitely think that's where the Strider thing comes from. That yeah. they were going to have to limit some of the off or some of his innings anyway. Um so, yeah, I definitely think that's this allows them to kind of set him up however they want for that wild card. And it gives Acuna uh, some rest for his knee. And who's the other guy who was hurt? Well, I mean, Olsen wasn't hurt, but he's just really oh, bad. He's yeah. had one of the like worst months of September I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, the Breaks and Barrels podcast talked about that. He is really struggling, struggling against the shift this year. So I'm pretty sure he's a guy who can't wait for that to go away. But so those left-handed bats, man, you can't trust them. Those <laughs> Power hitting left handed bats for as good of a season he had in Oakland last season. Uh, he was kind of underwhelming this year. And I, I know, I understand. New league, new team. It's kind of funny. You look at his monthly numbers, and he never had like a great one. He had a really good first month, March of April, uh, 142 WRC plus, OBP near 400, hitting 295. Um, and then the average and the on base just kind of started sitting around 250, and the OBP was right around 315, which was still like above league average with his slugging potential. Uh, in September, he's batting 111 with a 210 on base, 167 slug, striking out 32% of the time for a whopping six WRC plus. Six, six. That's like Miles Straw earlier this year when he was at two. Like, oh, uh, really I, I love I love single digit WRC plus numbers. Oh, yeah, they're, they're, fun. they're fun. Yeah, no sample size issues there, man. <laughs> uh, a quick uh, good morning. Shout out to my guy, Henry, our guy, Henry, our fearless leader uh, showing up this morning. You missed our Yankee talk, man. Sorry, you, you were a little late. We didn't even talk much about the Yankees. It's a done deal for them in these playoffs. It's done. Yeah. They're, they're going to make the playoffs with that division win. And they, they're. They're basically just it's it's a it's a, a formality at this point for them to get that division and everybody else is playing for those wild cards in the AL East. So there's your quick synopsis on the AL East in case you missed it earlier. We move on to the NL Central. Remember when it was the Brewers and Cardinals going back and forth? Those days are gone, <laughs> long gone. And the Cardinals are 99.5 percent assured to win the division in the National League Central. Uh, Brewers are six and a half games back, but there's obviously 0.5% to win a division. So they would need some sort of miraculous comeback. And I don't see it. I just don't see it. The hitting has been an issue. Now they're pitching. Can't be trusted either. So I don't know. Uh, 
Do you believe in miracles, Sean, over there? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't really believe in the Cardinals, but I also don't believe in the Padres either. And I think that the Padres have kind of caught a little bit of momentum here, but their story all year has been disappointing. Like, I mean, the, at, for every single from the very beginning, Tatis got hurt. Tatis oh, is going to miss a lot. Of, well, it's like I, I think the top, it's the Padres, like the I don't want to say the aura, but like their whole vibe has been disappointing. Okay. So, wouldn't it make sense if they just missed the playoffs? Who the Padres? Yeah, and it just kind of completes uh, the whole thing. I guess, but what about the Brewers, though? I mean. So like, like I said, I don't believe in the Brewers either. Yeah, like, they, they uh, are a big mess. Like Christian Yelich has been leading off for them, and that's good for Christian Yelich, uh, but it's not good for anybody else, unfortunately, as uh, the rest of the team is just garbage uh, in terms of their offense, which was their um, Achilles heel all season long. But we figured, well, they have a really good pitching staff, so if they just win a bunch of one nothing, 2 nothing, 3 nothing games, that should be good enough. But even their pitchers, like for Freddie Peralta, was uh, – yeah, Freddie Freddy Peralta was a, a big whiff, uh, you know, whiff on me like, in the in the fan tracks league. He yeah, was one of like, my keepers and just he's having nothing a good, from him. He's having a good season, but he can't stay healthy. He's but only even well, when, when he came back from the injury before he went back on the IL, his strikeouts were like down to six and a half per nine innings. That's right. Uh, it was just not good. And I mean, he, every, the ERA was staying somewhat low, but that was not the Freddie Peralta I signed up for. No, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Adrian Hauser, 66 strikeouts and 99 innings. No, big thumbs down. I never liked it to begin with. N- not gonna, I will never let you guys. I, I still, I still, I, I still like Adrian Hauser, but he's dealt with a lot of, I mean, he missed like two months with that shoulder thing. So, uh, yeah. So there's another durability issue. And then the bullpen, I mean, the bullpen's always going to be, um, pretty darn good with guys like Taylor Rogers, Matt Bush, Devin Williams, Brett Boxberger. Uh, but obviously the Josh Hader thing, that was a big complete mess. Aaron Ashby is the long relief guy and, uh, he has just proven to be inconsistent as well, which is disappointing because we were hoping for big things out of him. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, uh, Oh Lord. And then, uh, when you got to the triple a who can save their season, you, know, you got to count on these rookies, right? Who can save their season? Estuary Ruiz. We've mentioned him a lot, but, uh, he's already been called up and he's been sent down and called up numerous times already. Apparently they got John Singleton. They also have Tyler white. They have both of those Houston guys. Yeah, uh, David Stearns, man. Those are his guys from Houston. David Stearns, the general manager of the Brewers or president, whatever his title is. Okay. Those well, don't, don't look now, but, uh, Milwaukee's won four in a row, and they got sit and they got Cincinnati again today, and then they have two versus St. Louis mm-hmm. and four versus Miami and three versus Arizona. So they might have one of the once they get through those two games versus St. Louis, which they're not competing for that division anymore anyway. Um, your last seven games are against Miami and Arizona. Arizona's been a, kind of a a tougher team than you expect, but like I said, I don't know. And who, let's see who the the Padres have. I'd have to look. Well, before you do, let's uh, quickly move over to the NLS Dodgers. Just uh, for formality's sake, because we were doing it in that order, Dodgers are going to win this no matter what yeah. happens. Twenty-one games in front, it's done. It's done. So, so now let's switch over to the wild card, the National League wild card. It's still the Phillies at the top, eighty-six point six percent chance of winning the wild card, which is a big surprise for me. All the stuff that they went through, how putrid that lineup looks. No Nick Castellanos, um, or at least uh, 
He's oh, there, sure. but not not uh, Nick Castellanos. Just taking up space, taking up money. The we we complain about how awful their fielding looks. Hey, maybe who knows? The guy from the Angels, who's what's his name again? The, uh, they, Marsh. They, Marsh. Brandon Marsh was all the difference for them, right? So. <laughs> Hey, in a, in a wild card matchup, I that is the one team. If compared to them, uh, San Diego and um, uh, Milwaukee, between those three potential wild card teams, the one that I want to face the least is I, I, I think I would order it Philadelphia, San Diego, Milwaukee. But the last two are like right with each other because I, I don't want to face Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola um, in a three game series. Yeah, and it looks like their bullpen is finally formidable. Like in years past, that's always been their Achilles heel. Like not just an Achilles heel, but just their Waterloo, their detriment. Yeah. Everything. Yeah, it's like, goes... like I, I wouldn't say it's it's better for sure. It's oh, it's uh, compared. I mean, we're talking about historically bad, Sean. Yeah, oh, like I said, it's not. They're not historically bad, but they're not. I wouldn't say like good either. That's like they still, they still, they still have their moments. That's all you need. Just a little bit, just a bit better. So you're not historically bad. And I think, no, if they were just a little bit better, they wouldn't be in the position they're in right now. I mean, that's just the truth. If they were much worse, I mean, let's take it out. Let's take a look. Pick a pick a pitching stat, a team pitching right stat. Uh, let, oh, I, I hit teams. I, I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I, okay. I got it on the FIP, right? Yeah. Let's just do team FIP for bullpen arms, just the bullpen. Let's see where they rank. 12th. I mean, that's better than being well, historically okay. bad. That's way better. If you want to go traditional, they have a 421 ERA, unfortunately for them. So, but what does a 421 ERA get you nowadays? 421 ERA gets you 22nd, but but that's still not historically bad. I mean, you're not even 30th in, in the league. You're 22nd. The the thing that worries me about them is if you look at a lot of these bullpens, you see a 4.19 walk per, uh walk rate per nine innings. Uh your bullpen walking guys is always like the number one thing that screws you over when it, when games really start getting down to very important like spots. Um, but I mean, Daniel Robertson, like coming in, that that was huge for them. Obviously good job. Uh, it's just like the back end of the, the, the B team of the bullpen. Uh, I worry about and just kind of like the you're, depth you're not, of the bullpen. You're not counting it. And we've seen teams. Okay. Like XFIP, they're 19th. I mean, we've seen teams middle of the pack, win World Series, the, like, I don't know, the 2016 Chicago Cubs. They didn't have a really lights-out bullpen. I mean, they, they had Chapman. <laughs> well, Yankee fans will tell me that he didn't do shit for this team when <laughs> he got acquired. But, no, we were living on a prayer. That's why Chapman was brought up every single goddamn game because, what, you want to bring out C.J. Edwards, Pedro Strope? Yep. I mean, th- that, that's what did the, the 2015 Mets in. I mean, they rode Jerry's Familia through the, the NLDS, the NLCS, and... Even in the World Series, like he wasn't bad. It's just everybody he had the he had three blown saves and one earned run the entire time. Um, well, we got I got you, man. If you want to go by the ultimate statistic, bullpen war, right? The Dodgers aren't. <laughs> no, that's what everybody swears by, and and that's the that's the uh, these 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 war projections have gone have uh, uh, turned out to be very prophetic, right? Because and at the beginning of the season, the Yankees were number one. Had the number one uh, projected war lineup, the number one starting pitching projected war line uh, rotation, and the number one projected bullpen in terms of uh, projection war. But so now that war it, wins of a replacement is going live, and you know we've had almost ninety percent uh, of the season of statistics. 
Here are your top 10 bullpens in all of Major League Baseball just on bullpen war. Number one, the Dodgers. Number two, the Astros. Number three, the Atlanta Braves. Number four, the Cleveland Guardians. Number five, the Yankees. Uh, these are all good teams so far, right? Yeah. They're all uh, we've established that. Number six, the Padres. Who we, you know how we, I love the Padres bullpen every single season, every single year. I cannot stop talking about the Padres bullpen. So, I, I hated them coming into this year. Oh man, and I, I thought they were such a mess this year. I mean, that was kind of why they need a hater. Of, <laughs> well, in terms of uh, establishing roles, they were a mess, but there's there's like I think they had some lively arms in there, man. I, I just I can't get enough of it. I, I get suckered into it every season, it seems like the Tigers are surprisingly in seven. Then okay, so maybe war is a fake stat. But <laughs> everybody, hey, but listen, man. Maybe they are. <laughs> now, that's another team we got we should probably look at, but we're already uh well, well over time. I don't want to look at the yeah. Tigers, but I, I'm kind of curious who the Tigers have that make them seventh in terms of war bullpen war number eight everybody's favorite team of all time everybody's team that everybody tags me in look how good they are yeah felipe you're missing the boat on this they're so good the baltimore orioles number eight and at number nine your wild card leading the uh your wild card leading philadelphia phillies and to round out the top 10 is the chicago white Sox. so it, it's yeah it's a really i i think uh it's much better, and that's made yeah. all the difference for them. If they were bad, they wouldn't. We wouldn't be talking about the Phillies making the playoffs via the wild card at this point. Yeah. Padres are in second. We talked a little bit about them. Eighty-two point six percent. They're uh, a half game behind. Uh, as every time people want to talk about how dead they are, they just keep fighting. And uh, Juan Soto has uh, really let me down in my fantasy league. And it's <laughs> funny because in our matchup right now, he's actually having a great week. And yeah, yeah, but it's like, my, it, well, I won't say it's too little, too late, but it's uh, it's definitely. Uh, I'm not, not looking good for my team. Too late, Juan's, too little. <laughs> too late, too little, right? But Juan Soto is, is uh, what do you call it? I think, again, Rates and Barrels podcast over at The Athletic, they were talking about how he, too, is uh, for balls going up the middle, he's only hitting 240-something or, or another, like well below the, well uh, below 240 or something like that around that area. So Juan Soto, uh, not having the usual year, he's only, he's only hitting 242. But look at this on base percentage yeah, over 400. Yeah, it's it's insane. And it's funny that like I know offense in general, like kind of power was down. But I feel like the thing that was even down more this year is on base percentage. If you go and you look at the on base percentage leaders in the National League, um, it's very weird because, you know, Brandon Nemo is a guy who's always been around a 400 on base this year. His on base was lower. The walk rate was down a couple of percent. But there's only three guys with 400 or higher. Uh, go figure. It's Goldschmidt, Freeman, Soto. Freeman and Soto have always been on that list. But then the next closest is 374 with Jeff McNeil. And then the next closest is Mark Canna at 370. Uh, so if you look at the top 10 on base percentages, uh, the 9 and 10 spots are 359. And I feel like normally like the top 10 are all like 370 or higher. But this year, there's only five guys in the National League with an on-base 370 or higher, uh, which is just interesting to me because I always felt like we talk about the power being suppressed this year, but really, I feel like on-base got hit harder than a lot of people realize, too. <laughs> Sorry, I got distracted. <laughs> I, I could tell just a, little, just a wee bit there. Yeah, my daughter left her sweater here, but it looks so small. I don't think it would fit her, but apparently it should fit her. <laughs> but my daughter's so damn tall. I'm surprised at anything, any clothes fitter at this point. All right. So um, 
that's the Padres. Uh, like I said, people want to count them out, but they're just I mean, they, 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 the talent. Now, there's a team that's talented up and down the the roster sheet, right? And then they did. They unlike the White Sox, they actually did make moves to uh, improve the roster, right? And so they should be rewarded accordingly. They, they, they should make the playoffs because that is what a playoff team looks like. I know you mentioned as a joke. I don't know if you were serious or not, or if you were just kind of saying uh, the the whole uh, uh, pros of the fact that the Padres missed the playoffs. It would just be the most Padres thing ever. I guess that's what's the gist of yeah, your, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's just kind of like one of those, like it would be a fitting end to their story this year. <laughs> like, like in a bad way, like not like a fitting end, like, oh, the happily ever happily ever after but when you take into account like how their season has just gone like that would kind of make sense and i do apologize it's uh the braves are in the top spot of the wild card there are 10 games yes. in front so I, I i didn't realize this was new that uh, they are 20 percent assured of themselves to clinch a buy and even if they don't clinch the buy they're still 79.9 percent of clinching the wild card so i had to sort it by wild card so let me go back to uh wild card games behind so it's the padres at the top phillies are still a half game behind I'm sorry. They're the there's, leaders. There's, yeah, there's three yes. wild cards. Yeah, so. it's brand new world, guys. Give me a break. <laughs> We're still learning ourselves. Uh, one and a half games. Uh, the Phillies are one and a half games in front of the Brewers. So, yeah. and and that we talk about the Brewers and all the mess that they made. So, okay, so the Brewers have no chance, or maybe they do, but it's it's a fighting chance. But still, it's uh, the Cardinals should have this one locked up. Brewers still have a fighting, a really good chance of making the wild card. All things that we talked about: Phillies, Brewers, and even the Padres. Do you still believe that the Brewers find a way to sneak in? I like I said, I think they can. And yeah. I, I just I don't think it would be at the Phillies' expense. I think it's at gonna be at the Padres' expense. Wow. Because like like I said, I, I I know that the Padres are now one game ahead of the Phillies, but I I don't know. Padres have uh, I just pulled it up if I can find their schedule, their remaining schedule. Um, while, you, while you do that, yeah, I got to make some corrections here. So I, I think I had uh, did the same thing with the American League where I had the Mariners at the ahead of the pack. But no, it's Blue Jays are ahead of the pack and the Rays are a half game behind the Blue Jays for that top wildcard spot. Yeah. The Mariners have the third place lockdown, um, but they're fending off the Orioles who are only four games in, uh, behind them. With yeah, the White so, so that's why they, they have like 0.8% of making the playoffs because they are technically still there, but yes, the, uh, the Padres, they have uh, one more game against Colorado today. And then they do have three against the Dodgers, three against the white Sox, and three against the giants. And mm-hmm. like, like the giants, like, even though they're kind of out of it, like they want to spoil things for the, the national league West. Like, especially if like their last three games means that the San Diego Padres, who are the ones that, the Giants won 107 games last year, and this offseason, all anybody wanted to talk about was the San Diego Padres. Um, yeah, I, I'm sure that clubhouse is going to be feeling some pride to kind yeah. of screw things up for them. Well, that's, uh, a, that's a veteran clubhouse, too. The Giants are. I mean, they don't have any. I don't think they have any young players worth of note. Maybe Joey Bart, but come on. Yeah, that's a, they, they, they're going to go out there. They're going to be professional, but they're not going uh, to. I don't think the Gabe Kapler uh, would allow. No, for the Giants to just milk it in or or just cash it in or whatever that term is, and it's like right now Carlos Rodon is projected to pitch that game on October fourth, 
Uh, and we we see a lot of these teams that like if it's a meaningless game or whatever, they say, "Oh, we're not gonna throw the guy." Like whatever. Uh, I don't think Kapler would do that, especially with Redone about to be a free agent. Like whatever, we're gonna throw him. Yeah, uh, which I thought was interesting. Speaking of Mattingly news, I wanted to bring it up today that uh, the Mets, after they face uh, Atlanta, play Washington, and the Braves play Miami. And Don Mattingly came out and said that if that game with the Braves is still like meaningful for the National League East division, mm. he's going to let Sandy Alcantara pitch. Ooh. And I'm like, but if it was basically, he said, if it's a meaningless game, we'll find somebody else uh, and Sandy's season will be done. But he said, if that game still is like determinant of the National League East, he said, it's not fair. He said, I- I'll let Sandy pitch. And I was like, yes. <laughs> and I, I really hope Davey Martinez out in Washington is like, guys, uh, if when we face the Mets, if uh, Patrick Corbin's lined up, and it's still a meaningful game. I, I have to let him pitch because I really want to. Patrick Corbin's an easy win. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need that same energy, Davey. Yeah, right. All right. So, again, just to recap, Blue Jays, Rays, Mariners, Orioles are on the outside looking in. The White Sox still have a fighting chance, but it, 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 we already talked. I don't believe in the White Sox. And the Twins, nine and a half games back. But, uh, yeah, Twins, look, they, they we mentioned it. Sonny Gray got hurt. Um, Joe Ryan has been up and down. Bailey Ober just came back, and he's—I think he struggled against the Royals. I mean, he didn't struggle, struggle, but it, he wasn't dominant like he was in his first game back. Um, so, when I mentioned those three guys because those were my three guys that I put all my—I um, was all in on for fantasy purposes because uh, those were the guys that I wanted, and I made sure to get them in all my leagues in all my drafts, and uh, they've been pretty disappointing. So. Yeah, so uh, that's what it looks like in the AL, and then in the NL. Just to recap, because I did butcher the uh, standings because I was uh, doing it by wild card percentages. Uh, Braves at the very top; they're they're in no matter what. It's just a matter of uh, clinching yep. that bye week. Padres, Phillies, and then the Brewers, uh, one and a half games behind the Phillies. The Giants, you mentioned them, nine and a half games out. But either either way, I, I do see them as a team that will want to play the role of spoiler, just because there's a lot of grizzly veterans in there that yeah the 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 crawfords the longorias like that's the lineup to do it yeah and then well the diamondbacks only 13 games behind but they're they're out they're completely out so there it is uh if you want to take a quick look at the at the world series stuff can we do that i I think it's so far like i I don't know i I hate looking at it (laughs) oh man no i love looking at that crap let me see bear with me i'm all right in the American League, 16.2% Astros, 10.6% the Yankees. And then the Blue Jays, Rays, Mariners, Guardians are all below 7%. Um, of those guys, of those teams, Blue Jays, Rays, Mariners, and Guardians, who do you think actually has a legitimate chance to surprise people and win the World Series this year? I th- I don't think it's the Blue Jays. I don't think the Blue Jays really have the pitching. I think it's Kevin Gossman and... I'd, Jose Barrios, yeah, well, and Alec Manoa, but Alec then Manoa. like then you have to rely on Jose Barrios to not just shit the bed. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I like the Mariners. I, I just think they have the pitching that could kind of uh, carry them in the lineup. That if you get J Rod back healthy, um, as he kind of rests up these last week and a half, um, I, would, I don't I know. Would, I'm going to go with the Guardians. Guardians. I mean, yeah, I, you, you like I said earlier in the show. You can never count them out. 
Yeah, they got Terry Francona managing. I mean, you're seeing the difference between having a real reliable uh, guy who doesn't take uh, this game for granted, who is there because he's constantly working on his craft. And that's Terry Francona versus the White Sox who were relying on some corpse from the 80s to <laughs> and Tony La Russa to get him back. And then you saw the difference. We saw a little bit of a difference when Miguel Cairo took over that managerial position. But this the White Sox team is so such an afterthought at this point that it just not even a managerial change at the end of the season is going to get them right to ship for all the reasons we mentioned, but the guardians have shown that, that, uh, that they can play all facets of the game in terms of their uh, offense. They can run, they can hit for power. They can hit for average. Um, they are going to give other teams fits and they have a, a farm system that is just ready to be um, on the ready to contribute any way possible. And they have a deep bullpen. We just mentioned a couple of guys in Emmanuel Classe, James Karinchak, uh, Trevor Steven. And somehow the starting pitching always looks good, even though it, on paper, I'm like, I, I, we talk about it all the time, Sean. How is this team any good? Yeah. But they keep proving me, proving me wrong. So I'm just going to, I'm on I'm on that surprise chain uh, with the Guardians here. Over to the National League, you got the Mets at 17.3%. So that's the highest in all of baseball, Sean. That's better than the Dodgers at 15.8%. You know, those two guys named, DeGrom and Scherzer probably have a lot to do with that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But the Dodgers, they come, they can come back with uh, Julio Urias and Clayton Kershaw. You ready for some playoff Clayton Kershaw, Sean? I, I, I really think that this is a very determining uh, playoffs for Clayton Kershaw. I mean, for all we know, it could be his last. Like, oh, it, yeah. you know, he could he could at any time hang it up and I wouldn't be surprised or he could play another year and I wouldn't be surprised. Um, you know, he was really in limbo this offseason. You know, he had a little bit of injury problems that people were talking about and the, the Dodgers didn't even give him a qualifying offer. And uh, he's come back and he's been Clayton Kershaw. It's kind of just amazing. He, he's almost going that route of like the David Ortiz of pitching. <laughs> or he he's just he's going to pitch and as long as he's playing he's going to be good until he just decides he doesn't want to pitch anymore. I mean 2.42 ERA. I'm what? He's <laughs> like 37 million years old. He's okay, he's only 34. But the amount of mileage on that arm is like insane and he just goes in day in day out whip underneath one. Like he's lost all, all of his fastball, but it's still good. And, uh, yeah, I, I really think that's why Kershaw keeps coming back. He wants to rewrite the the playoff legacy, I think. And that's yeah. why I think that this is a important one for him, too, because he yeah. now he has the ring. Now he needs to go out there and kind of show in terms. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer anyway. He doesn't have to prove anything. Um, but just to kind of rewrite his postseason legacy, which I think would be a cool way to end his career. And then uh, the Braves are at 9.4% to win the World Series. So I, I would consider that uh, in contention. And they are the defending champs. So you, you don't count them out until they get eliminated, obviously. Cliche alert there. <laughs> so here are the surprise teams so far. Uh, Padres, Phillies, Cardinals, and Brewers. All these guys are hovering at or below 5%. Who's your surprise uh, pick for to win the World Series from that group? Uh, I would say the Padres, even though I also think that they could, you know, not make the playoffs. Right. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I saw it, but it's just one of those. Okay. You look at the rotation, Snell, Musgrove, Darvish. Okay. That's a, a record in a playoff. 
Uh, Juan Soto is kind of getting hot right now this week. I, I mentioned he's probably having one of the best you know weeks for you and your lineup. Um, but Juan Soto in a playoff, like he he could just go insane. And um, they they have good defense. They're yeah. a little bit more fundamentally sound than I think people realize. Uh, Hassan Kim, great defensive infielder. Trent Grisham hasn't been able to hit anything, but. Uh, has some postseason experience, probably not all of it good with his, you know, pivotal error, uh, but he's also a very good defensive outfielder. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they're. And, and they made all those moves and they have Josh Hader like, OK, Josh Hader has been bad, but it's one of those stories of what if all the guys that have struggled, what if they just make it to the playoffs and then they just go on Rangers, which we've seen before. We've seen teams kind of limp into the playoffs and maybe they have a bye week or something like that, or bye week, by few days. Yeah. And it kind of allow, allows them to reset and be like, okay, guys, we we grueled through that marathon. We didn't end how we wanted to, but in the regular season, but let's end it how we want to now. Um, so it wouldn't really surprise me either way with the Padres. Yeah, I was going to say the Padres too, but uh, I guess a, a, an honorable, honorable mention here would be the Cardinals, just from a storyline perspective, from an intangibles yeah. perspective. Uh, Yadier Marlina looks like he might be running off into the sunset with Albert Pujols. You still have a gamer like Adam Wainwright, 41-year-old that he is. He's still a very tough uh, pitcher to deal with. Miles Mikolas, the hard-sinking, throwing uh, right-handed pitcher for them. And you have two resurgent reclamation projects of sorts in Jose Quintana and Jordan Montgomery. Uh, as well, lefty pitchers that might uh, give teams some fits if we're looking at pitching. Your guy, Ryan Helsley, uh, dominant yeah. out of the bullpen. Giovanni Gallegos uh, looking pretty decent as the setup guy. And looks like they are getting their bullpen in order just in time for the playoffs. So there's a lot to like here for the uh, for the Cardinals. And as you know, they don't give a damn who you are. Yeah. Uh, I, I really want to see a Cardinals-Dodgers matchup, Kershaw versus Wainwright. That would be fun. That would be a fun game. All right. And then uh, how are we doing on time there, Sean? Oh, snap. It's almost yeah. noon. <laughs> uh, all right. So we can talk about our playoffs, but let's quickly just – I'm just going to recap it really quick, Sean. Uh, go round by round, and yeah. we'll go into a deeper analysis next week if we have to. Uh, looks like it – well, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll just go right now. Uh, Andrew lost to James uh, big in the first round. Sean took care of our guy Harvey from Eastern Washington. Uh, I defeated uh, Leon in pretty dominant fashion, which is surprising because that guy was, uh, I think I, you know about this, right? That he beat me in the regular season, uh, three oh. games to one. Oh, really? Remember, I was, I, I had a thing like when Felipe faces a step back, I get, you know, I get destroyed by the, basket, <laughs> by the basketball podcast, which is, uh, it's kind of funny. Like it's not just like, it's not like that I'm getting uh, just beaten, but it's like both of them are beating me and, yeah. <laughs> in convincing fashion. But I believe I, I was able to, uh, were you getting double teamed? I was getting double teamed by those guys. Yeah. You were getting trapped in the corner, trapped in the corner. I didn't know how to respond to it. They had the, the zone trap on me. Uh. Um, and they made me uh, shoot the ball uh, with uh. like a second. You, left on the you, clock. you took a low efficient shot. Low a low, shot, low yeah, efficiency, yeah. low efficiency. I, I sound like gold member right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, normally there is no inefficient shot if it's a three pointer, but yeah, this is. I'm talking like half court. Like, oh man, I gotta get rid of this. 
But uh, I think I was able to tie the series with Jacob this year. But I know I know for a fact that Leon did beat me three games to one. So the fact that I beat him here, I, I, what, what is that? It's like, well, at this pre- at this point of the season, the uh, the final is, is weighted heavily, right? So yeah. uh, so th- th- this makes, I guess, a playoff win uh, ties the season series as well, right? Why not? No, no, he beat me three games to two, but I was able to beat him in the playoffs at the very least. And and that's like multiple matchups with him. I mean, I, I don't want to like goad on him, but it's like, every, I make the final in the league that we're in in a different sport. And there's Leon. So <laughs> I, I, I beat him in the WNBA final. Yes. We do have a WNBA league. It's awesome. It's great. Fantastic. I beat him in the football life league last year. And I, I we, we faced each other in the, in the inaugural fantasy basketball league, which he defeated me in. And then he made the final and lost to Tyler last year as well. So, uh, so yeah, it's always um, um, it's always a, a worthy task to face Leon in, in these playoffs. Uh, Henry, who was in the chat, uh, defeated Jacob, the other half of the Step Back podcast, in a very tight race. That was probably the the closest matchup of the week, 13-11, meaning 13 categories to 11 categories. In the second round, that's where we're going in through right now. Henry has a sizable lead against the oh, number one Over team. the favorite. Yeah. the Upset uh, the- alert. 30 game winner, uh, James Handleboat. I'm pretty sure James is kicking himself because he was pretty proud of himself the way uh, he's able to turn around his team. Uh, and then, of course, I am getting murdered by Sean once again. And it's not the fact that um, that I'm losing to you because if I'm going to lose to someone, I better be my podcast partner. <laughs> right? It's, it's, there's no uh, there's no shame in that. But it's the fact that this is the second year in a row where my team just lays a big freaking egg. And yeah. I'll tell you the one, man. We could say that for next week, but yeah, last year, you know, my team was much better than this year. I'll, you know, I, I feel the same way. Yeah. I, I like, I, I know I kind of, I went on a little hot streak to end the year to get me into like the number three or four seed, but yeah. uh, my pitching this year was, I, I've struggled with my pitching. I, I was like just looking left and right because, you know, yeah. like I had CC's had a great year, but it was like, with our our bi-weekly matchups you're you're looking okay once cease is done i feel like i can win that matchup but then you look okay he can't pitch the next matchup who am i pitching and uh so it's like i had cease and otani who kind of carried me but they were also kind of on the same schedule so i could never just like they pitched together and so the other matchup was always really hard to fill uh with guys like alec you know dane dunning uh, Nick Lodolo, like I, I was kind of relying to Taiwan Walker. I was relying on those guys. You know, I, 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 we could talk about that next week. But a lot of those guys that you, you, you mentioned, I trusted on those guys too, and I must have dropped them, and you must have picked them up immediately. <laughs> so, but uh, no. So my point was that my team last year was better than this year's team. Just like your team last year was much better than this year's team. I think you were as low as eighth place at one point, right? Yeah, I, I, I was struggling a lot. Yeah. And, and and it's still a different year, same result. It's still a blowout lead to a, a lower seed. I mean, I've got to call it the way I see it. Uh, I think you were like the second best team last year in the regular season. Yeah, I was one uh, one matchup, I think, behind you. One or two yeah. wins behind you. Cutter uh, Turner was bigger than that, but it doesn't matter. You still won. <laughs> so it, it's like, you know, we were up on this level, and then we get dropped down a little of, of a, a lower level, and the results are the same. You still blow, are blowing me out. So yeah. I, it's... Uh, <laughs> Head-to-head fantasy baseball. It is Uh, a great mystery, man. I will never understand how that works. And there's a good chance where we either see uh, the Dong City uh, orange pinstripe person win. or Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm always thinking about that. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> or we get once again another back-to-back champion. So Aaron uh, was our first back-to-back champion, and then you won it last year, and you have a good chance of winning it this year again. So fingers crossed. Wow, it's, fingers crossed. It, it, it is crazy. And speaking of Aaron and all of those guys, uh, they're playing for the first pick. Who's winning that one? Uh, looks like Aaron is on the lead right now to get the first pick next year. So there you have it. All right. We, we reward no tankers here. Oh, yeah. You got to win for your picks. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things that, well, that's that's fantasy philosophy that we could talk about that some other day about yeah. <laughs> what's the best way to go about things. But uh, yeah, I'm a firm believer that if there's, if you have a game schedule, you got to try, you got to at least try. You show yeah. me that you can try and uh because everybody, Sean, you know this, man. Everybody begs, Felipe, I want to be in your league. I want to be in your league. Uh, you sure about that? And then <laughs> feelings get hurt. And anyway, uh, last words from you, Sean. Go ahead. Um, so I'm on the upswing in, in our, our fantasy league, but in the one that I invest so much time in, it appears that that one, my 30 team, it will come to an end. I will still battle for third place next week. Um, but yeah, whenever that season starts to wind down, that 30 team that, I mean, I'm adjusting lineups every day. Like I put so much work into that league and it's always one of those, okay, what can I do next year? And so I'm already starting that thought process of the off season, even though I have one more, I'll have a third place game or whatever, unless barring some crazy comeback. But uh, yeah, you ready for next fantasy year? I'm sorry, what was the question? I, I said, you ready for next year? No. Oh, <laughs> no. I'm already thinking about next year now. No, I, I am like, thinking I'm, about. I am thinking about it, but it's like when. And again, that's a different topic. This, I feel, uh, I feel discussion. like an addict. <laughs> no, I mean, well, you're listening to. I listen to other podcasts, and they're already talking about next year. Like, all right, well, here's how my rankings go. Like, how are you? That means you're gonna you're gonna start tweaking. I mean, I guess it's the smart thing to do, but that would be driving me crazy with the idea that uh, I would have to constantly tweak my my rank. I mean, I do, but not this early. Yeah. If anything, I might just start looking at prospects uh, for this season. But how do you do that? How do you, how do you manage all that? I mean, because things have changed since March. You know, the the uh, prospect rankings from uh, earlier this season are going to be different um, all the time. And how how do you account for all the uh, the the production and all the performances? And how do you account for guys who got called up from Double A Triple A mid season? as opposed to somebody who's finishing the year in double A has a good season, but now you don't know what to make of it because the yeah. last guy made it to triple A and he either crushed the ball or he was struggling. So do you drop that guy down or you leave him where he is? And it, uh, it but that's what we do it, right? That's part of the plan. That's, so this is why we have this podcast because we are, but I, I've been thinking about it. I just have to kind of temper my expectations because do I want to do all this work now only to do <laughs> all these corrections later and I, or do I just been what, what I've been doing this whole time, especially with Austin being a health, big help here is uh, do it sometime in December or January, probably January uh, when all the free agents are signed, all the, at least the big name free agents are signed already and just start going through uh, all the numbers. And, and that's the other thing, Sean, because we, we rely on projections. Yeah. A lot, a lot of these projection systems aren't ready until like late February, it seems like for sure. So, and that that puts us up against the clock, right? Because in March is the draft, so we, we're definitely so. For I guess in that aspect, yeah, we are been thinking about it. Austin and I have been trying to plan better for next season, so we're not um, going at the last minute. Yeah, 
So uh, I, I, or, I don't know. We might have to do something different this year because I don't want to go through that ever again. But a, a lot of it was <laughs> the the stupid lockout. Really yeah. messed us yeah, up. Yeah, the, so. the lockout was tough. Yeah, we had already had our ranking system done in January. We're just kind of waiting for the lockout. And then the next thing you know, hey, we're going to go ahead and approve the DH in the National League. Like a son of a bitch. Now I got to <laughs> go. And, and then all the free agents finally got signed. Like, oh, now we got to tweak the roster again because we also are, are roster based. So, so like I said, we had about 750 players on our list. And obviously not all of them are going to get drafted. But as we mentioned last week, even the back end guys, they ended up helping. We, we, the Hunter yep. Browns, he was in our list. Spencer Strider, he was somewhere in our list back there. At the very least, we noticed him. We talked about him, all three of us. I remember vividly that we did mention, hey, Spencer Strider, he's on the bottom of the deep sea uh, 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 the projections, but he could be someone that could uh, do something for your team. And lo and behold, there he is, yep. about to win Rookie of the Year, if not Cy Young. You, and, you think uh, he gets it over Michael Harris? I think that one's going to be like insanely close. Like, has there ever been a co rookie of the year? Yeah, I'm I sure. So. I'm sure there has. I think if I have to pick one, I think I would go with Spencer Strider. He just has the more dominant season. Yeah. I know a lot of these. Uh, well, I mean, the way we do, it, I think the way we do, it, we do split it between hitters and pitchers. Yeah. So there's always going to be a rookie pitching or whatever award, and when we do our end of year awards. But if I have to pick one and only one in real life baseball, I would have to go with Spencer Strider. I have to, yeah. yeah. I, I love, and I love Michael Harris and Vaughn Grissom, but I think Spencer Strider. It's, it's going to be a break. Put it this way: it's going to be an Atlanta, an Atlanta player winning this. World oh yeah, game. for sure. It's just one of those. I also saw that he's the first pitcher ever to have a 200 strikeout season without giving up 100 hits. Um, in Major League history. I thought that was Wait. interesting. Oh wow! Okay, well that's pretty cool. And, and he's lined up. He won't pitch the rest of the regular season, so that he. Looks like he'll be lined up to keep that. I'm not sure if he's a qualified starting pitcher this year because of mm. his time in the bullpen and whatnot. But uh, he's going to get the Otani treatment. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I, I don't think he's on the list of qualified starters. Interesting. Well, either way, I think uh, that's. I'm, I'm still. I would still go with Strider um, as of right now, unless Michael Harris just puts some some gargantuan gargantuan statistics in the last. 10 days or so in the next 10 days or so, which, which is going to, um, we, 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 we won't be able to d- deny his greatness yeah. for rookie of the year this year, but I'm sorry. I'm a sucker. I, I, it's Spencer Strider has been, I don't know. It, it, he's really, uh, solidified that rotation, uh, for the Braves where they have what three, four guys, maybe now in the rotation that nobody wants to face. Yeah. Eh, right. I, I mean, Strider and uh, Freed. Um, and then well, Kyle Wright is no slouch, man. Yeah, yeah. I, Kyle, Kyle, Wright, Kyle, good. Kyle Wright's good. I'll give him that. Oh, he's but, okay. Uh, but he's but they're 20, 20 wins. Don't don't damn say 20 wins. Don't fucking say I, 20 when wins. When do I ever say wins? When do I, I, ever I know, say wins? but that's that's what a lot of people have, have led with with Kyle Wright. Uh, I mean, uh, listen, man. Kyle Wright went from like a nobody. Like, oh, no, he was he was he, he he was a top prospect, but right, it, I, I meant to say it all flamed. Yeah, like it all flamed out. Yeah, that's what I meant. An afterthought, not, not a nobody. I mean, yeah. like he was with somebody, then he became a nobody, where that nobody could trust. Like they should trade him away and get something out of him, and they somehow found a way to fix him or, or whatever. And now look at him; he's a, a Kyle Wright is a formidable, decent starting pitcher for a really good team. And then you still got Charlie Morton, who still is, oh, Jesus Christ. Charlie Morton has 196 strikers and 163 innings pitched. Uncle Charlie. 
That's wild. <laughs> uncle Charlie likes his Uncle Charlie. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and and so you put, added Spencer Strider into the mix, and it just it, that's a very good rotation that. I, I I don't want to I, I wouldn't want to be a part of any of that. I do not want to be the team that's facing all those four guys there <laughs> in a playoff series for anyway. Uh that is Sean over there. I am Felipe. That is the major league playoff uh, outlook as of uh, right now. We'll see how it unfolds and then we'll go back to fantasy baseball next week um and go do that as well as we will more than likely have a championship winner this side. Well, no, we won't. We won't, but we will have an update in yeah. the uh, Fantrax League because that is the last league I'm playing in. How many leagues you got left? Uh, I have a couple that I keep updating just for my sanity, okay. um, but I'm, I'm out of it everywhere except this. All right. Well, we'll see if how Sean looks in the championship matchup. I'm already, you know, towel. <laughs> you see, that's where no... I am with the 30 team. Like, I know I could theoretically still win this 30 team league, but being down 21 going into the last day, and he he has two starters going is Cortez and the the rookie from Pittsburgh. But it's like I I'm, I don't want to get my hopes up. I don't want to be like, oh, I hope one of those guys has like a negative 15 point game, like the the rookie. Like, but uh, you know, I, mm-hmm. I if I don't get my hopes up. I can't be disappointed. That's right. That's right. The the mantra of everyone's fantasy season. If you don't get your hopes up, you can't be disappointed. Well, if it's uh, if it's you and Henry, good luck to the both of you. Uh, I have no horse in that race. It doesn't matter to me. I mean, you guys are both my friends and, uh, <laughs> and uh, podcast brethren. So either way, uh, it's it's always good to see somebody in the podcast winning one of these leagues because I don't know. It's just it's pretty cool to see. But anyway, that is Sean. I am Felipe. We will talk to you next time. Adios. Adios, guys.